got you an outline this morning, and if you would, take, uh, take them out if you would. And we're going to be talking today about being available to God by answering the call. One of my favorite themes to speak on in the Bible because I know when God spoke to me and, and when God speaks to me, I should say, that, you know, you've got to answer the call. So today's message, be available to God by answering the call. And today, God is not looking for our ability, but for our availability. Let me say it again. God is not looking for our ability, but our availability. You say, Pastor, what, what do you mean by that? Well, see, we are just a vessel that God uses, and he gives us the power and the strength. It all comes from God. Somebody say amen. So whatever we do, it's, he gets the glory because he chooses us, not because of the ability that we have, but because of the ability that he has. It's our availability to him. So in your notes, look at the scripture that I gave you this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It says, for you see your calling. And if you underline, you ought to underline that your calling. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, and there's that word again, are called. Think about that. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. How many of you know God can use a donkey? Somebody say amen. God can use a rooster. <laughs> And if he can use that, he can use us. Somebody say amen. amen. So it's our availability of hearing the call of God and answering that call, and it all works. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16, the other scripture I gave you, and uh, go to the next slide there if you would. It says there, so the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, for many are called. There's that word again. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, in reference to this verse... The, chose, the few chosen are those that accept the call. So when you not only hear the call, you've got to accept the call, and then you're chosen to do what God has called you to do because God has chosen you, but you've got to answer the call to receive that. So uh, I, I, I want you to see that this morning and how um, uh, important that it is. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every one that's gathered here today. And, and Father, we ask... Uh, that you would uh, move in our hearts and in our lives. And we're so glad that we can hear your voice. But Lord, help us not only to have ears to hear your voice, but Lord, for us to answer that call. And not only answer the call, but obey the call. Oh God, we pray that we may be available to you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Now, the next statement I've got there, the here am I, simply means that I'm available. So, if you don't get anything else out of the message today, it's that you're available. God wants you to be available when he calls you. And there's going to be times that God's going to call you. I appreciate these uh, gentlemen that are going down uh, to Wilmington, North Carolina, because they hear the call of a need that's down there, and they're going down to do something for our sister church down there. And we appreciate that. For those that are going to the abortion clinics and, and, and praying and, and, and just being there and, and being a, a, a voice for the unborn. Come on, somebody. I, I mean, it, it, you're hearing a call to do that. And, and it's so, so important. So 
uh, available uh, to for what? Available. We need to be available to hear God. We need to be available to go and do the service for God. We need to, and, and, and as we think about that, all kinds of feelings may arise in your heart uh, when you hear that call. You may have a, you know, but uh, it might be that I'm available and willing, but I'm available and I'm afraid. How many of you know sometimes fear kind of plays a factor in that? Or you might say, I'm, I'm available, but I'm doubtful. I'm available, but I'm confused. Uh, but however I feel, I'm available, and here I am. I want to hear, I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. That's what you're saying. So when I was a kid and I'd hear my mother begin to call my voice when it's time to eat or whatever, I'd say, here am I. She'd call my name out and I'd say, here, here I am, you know. And, and, and this is what the, the message is today. We all have all kinds of responses when God's message, and not everyone's going to say, here am I. And I hope that as you hear this today, that you're going to go away saying, you know what? When God speaks, I'm going to say, here am I. Now, so there's many like Jonah, when they hear the, you know, God speak, they begin to run. And we don't need to run away from God. How many of you know we need to run to God? We need to run to that voice because God is the best friend that you'll ever have. Somebody say amen. And I believe that you're here today because you want to hear the voice of God. I believe you want to hear God's mission and God's significance for your life. And you believe that God wants you to do something great. Can I get a witness this morning? I believe that. I believe you're here because of that today. So what happens when I say to God, here am I? We're going to look at eight things, eight instances in the Bible when others said, here am I to God. And the first one we're going to go with is first what happens in the life of Abraham. And you'll learn this when I say, here am I. Number one, when I say, here am I. I make a sacrifice I never thought I could make. I make a sacrifice that I never thought I could make. Now, we learned this from Abraham, okay? What do we learn? Uh, so we start with that sacrifice. And I, I must admit that that's a tough place to start. Come on, somebody. When you're, when you're talking about sacrifice, I mean, some of you just finished your morning Starbucks. Come on, somebody. And, and, uh, and you're not decompressed. You're just getting the kids in the car and getting them over to children's church, you know, and you hear this here am I, and you're starting out with sacrifice. Come on, pastor, you know, we just got here, you know, you're talking sacrifice. I, I mean, that wouldn't it be better to start off with a mes message like uh, uh, maybe later or a message of blessing? Come on, somebody. And, and I'm with you. Now, we're going to start with blessing, but the blessing of making a sacrifice. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And it all begins with Abraham. Uh, and this huge sacrifice that Abraham is willing to make. Everybody say willing to make. He's just willing to make it. And God wanted to know if he would really uh, do that. So in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1 in your notes there and on the screen, sometime later God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here am I, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the regions of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains that I will tell you. Now, those of you that uh, know the story know that God is not going to allow Abraham to give, uh, sacrifice his son. Come on, somebody. We know that in retrospect, and we, we know that, we know the story so, so we know what happens. We know God's not going to allow that to happen. How many of you know God was just wanting to test his heart to see if he'd be willing to do that? And that's all it was. It was a test of the heart 
to see where he was. So God tested Abraham, and God tests you and I today, and God will test our willingness on, on many occasions. And when God tests us, it's not because he doesn't know what's in our heart, but he wants to, us to know what's in our heart. Come on, somebody. See, God already knows what you're going to do, but he wants you to know what you're going to do. You may think you'll know what you're going to do, but he wants you to know what you're going to do. So God tests us not to grade us, but to grow us. Come on, somebody. Not to, you know, not to grade us, but to grow us. And that's what he's going to do in the life of Abraham here. He's growing him in his faith. Can you see that? He's growing Abraham in his faith. He wants Abraham's faith to grow. So I want you to take a look at that, you know. He says, and the greatest challenge in his life is a challenge just as it is in our life, and it's the word sacrifice. On the count of three, let's everyone say it. One, two, three, sacrifice. Say it again. Sacrifice. And that's what happens in ministry, and this is the challenge. Abraham meets up with one of the life's greatest paradoxes of all types. It's the paradox of the cross. Jesus said, whosoever finds their life will lose it, but whosoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's a paradox. You know, how many of you know the kingdom of God is upside down as far as the world is concerned? It's like, what? You know, what do you mean? That's, that, don't even sound, that, that doesn't even sound right. Well, that's right. It's a paradox. You know, the cross was a paradox if you think about it. But it's when you make the sacrifice to lose your life to God, to trust in his forgiveness, to trust in his life, then all of a sudden you find what you're looking for in, in your life. Come on, somebody. You begin to find life when you see, do that. This is the principle of the cross, okay? And it works all throughout our lives. The principle is this. Jesus sacrificed himself for us on the cross, and he was resurrected. How many of you know there is a resurrection? So, you know, that's a, that's a paradox, and that's a principle. The cross always comes before the resurrection. Let me say it again. The cross always comes before the resurrection. Everybody wants a resurrection. They want something new in their life, the breakthrough and all that, but they want nothing to do with the cross. Come on, somebody. But there's always a cross before the resurrection. And in our lives, the sacrifice comes before the blessing. And, and you, know, you know, it's just like sowing the seeds. Sometimes it's sowing that seed financially or sowing the seeds of prayer. Come on, somebody. It's something that God requires you to do. Sometimes it's a sacrifice on your part to do that. But let me tell you something. You want the blessing of God, you're going to have to start off with a sacrifice. And you give something and God gives something. Come on, somebody. So you give God's uh, choice blessing. You give up God's choice blessings only to find out that you made a blessing. And that's God's give greatest blessing that you can imagine. You see it again and again and again throughout the Bible. You'll see it all through the Bible. Jacob, let me give you a few of them. Jacob gave up his schemes. Joseph gave up his dreams. Moses gave up the, the palace of Pharaoh. David gave up the temple that he wanted to build. Matthew gave up his taxes. Peter gave up his nets. Paul gave up his religion. Mary gave up her son. And we could go on and on and on. Somebody gave up some. Somebody sacrificed something. And then God comes in with his blessings. And that's what God wants to do in your life today. See, there's something that you might have to give up. And someone says to me, you know, you, you didn't have to do that. No, I didn't have to do that. I wanted to do that. I didn't have to do that. I sacrificed to do that because I want to do what my God wants me to do. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be like the world. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to be something different. And that's what you have to do. You have to choose to do that. And many times God is going to require a sacrifice. 
So, why would God ask for sacrifice? Because in the moment of sacrifice, something changes. It's what happened with Abraham. It's what happens with us today. In the moment of sacrifice, what's ours becomes his. What we have becomes what he has. Come on, somebody. And what's, what was under my control all of a sudden is under his control. And we give it up to God because I've given it to him. So what does that mean to us today? Well, for parents, sometimes it means a sacrifice of letting your kids go as they go off to college. Come on, somebody. How many of you know as parents, sometimes it's hard to let our kids go? We want to hold on as much as we can. We just want to hold on and hold. How many of you know they got to grow up and they got to go out, out on their own? How many of you know they got to make their own, uh, uh, you, you know, decisions and their own challenges of life, and they have to do all of that? So, as a parent, it might mean something like that. You know, recognizing that God has a future and a plan for them, just like He had a future and a plan for you. Come on, somebody. For a business person, it could mean the sacrifice of a career. Because you're holding on uh, to your integrity rather than holding on to your career. In other words, you, 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 you sacrifice your career for integrity and you're saying, God, I want to do what you want. I'm not going to do what the world does. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to do this, that, and the other. I'm going to do the right thing. How many of you know God can bless you when you're doing the right thing? For all of us, it's the daily sacrifice of offering yourself to God in, a, in, in daily moments of life. And this isn't only a, a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Matter of fact, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the uh, view of the mercies of God, to offer your bodies a, help me out, living. Mm. Some people would like to tear that out of the Bible. Come on, somebody. I don't like that part of the Bible, that living sacrifice thing. Living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your true and proper worship. Oh, think about that. So every day we say, God, I transfer it from being mine to yours. And the moment of sacrifice, that's what happens when you show up and you say, God, here am I. I want to do it your way. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, when I say here am I on the screen, I face a fear I never thought I could face. And we learned this from Jacob. I face a fear that I thought I could never face. And look at Genesis 46, 2. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here am I, he replied. I am God, the God of your fathers, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you unto a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you. And I will surely bring you back again. Now, Jacob is the guy that wrestles with God. Let me tell you something. If you ever want to have a, wrest a wrestling match with God, you're not going to win. But he just thought he'd have a wrestling match with God, you know. And he learned who he was and who he is. In fact, in this res wrestling match, God says, tell me your name. Tell me your name. He said, my name is Jacob, which is the schemer, the trickster. This is who I am, he admits, who he is. But there's a second thing that happens to Jacob while he's wrestling with God. He's not only learned who he is, but he also learns who God 
who God called him to be. And see, some of us in, in, in the old life, when we, you know, before we come to the Lord, we, we, we might have been one way or one thing, but how many of you know God's called us to something entirely different? And everything changes when God comes on the scene. God says, your name has been Jacob, but now I'm going to make it your name Israel. The nation of Israel was named for Jacob. This man whose name was changed. A name of blessing, a name that had a greater future to it, okay? I'm going to change your name. So he learned who he was, but he also learned who God called him to be. And that's what we need to learn this morning, what God has called us to be. Jacob wrestles with God through his life, and he tries to serve God. And at the end of his life, he had to face one of the greatest fears. It's the next verse in the outline. God spoke to Israel in a night vision and said, Jacob, Jacob, he said, here am I. These three words, he replied, I am God. And the God of your fathers, he said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you a great nation. I will go down to Egypt with you. How many of you know there's t when God calls you to do something, he's not going to allow you to go by yourself. He's going to go with you. You go, he's going to go with you. Now, God tells Jacob to go down to Egypt, and, and there's been one of the places that his father told him never to go down to Egypt, never go down there, because God told him, you know, to never, go, you know, because God had told him never to go there before to his father Abraham, and told Abraham not, you know. So God told his grandfather Abraham never go down there, and now he's telling them to go down there to that place that he's not supposed to go. And that's been a, a, something he's been afraid to go all of his life. So like Jacob, many of us, we have fear. A fear that you never thought you'd have to face. Sometimes, and, then, and some of you are, are thinking all kinds of things that are coming to your mind this morning. That you're facing the fear that you never thought you'd have to face. So let me tell you something. You need to face your fears. Come on, somebody. Because with God, all things are possible and you can overcome that fear. Come on, somebody. Would you believe that I was afraid of public speaking? Go figure. <laughs> but when you hear the call of God, everything changes. God has a sense of humor. Come on, somebody. It, it, you know, again, we're talking about not our ability, but our availability. You know, Paul said, I come not with the enticing words of man, uh, uh, wisdom, but I come in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? What is he saying? He said, it's not me, it's him. It's the power of God that you're going to see. And that's what we need to see. We need to just show up and let God do his thing. And he will. Somebody say amen. That's what faith is all about. Just allowing God to do that. So when I say here am I, number three in your notes, I see a miracle I never thought I would see. We learned this from Moses. You know, Moses had a life of miracles, but they all started when it happened when he saw a burning bush. The famous experience in Exodus 3, 4. Look at your notes. They're on the screen. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, what did he say, folks? There it is. Here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. Here am I. Those three words change Moses' life. The first 40 years of Moses' life, he lived in Pharaoh's palace. He, ad he was adopted son of Pharaoh. The next 40 years of Moses' life, 
uh, you know, after some problems. He finds himself living out in the wilderness, taking care of sheep. And now he shows up and, and says, here am I to God. You know, sometimes we have to go through things before we can learn to where God really wants us to be. Somebody say amen. And this is what's happening here. And because he says, here am I, for the next 40 years of his life, he's going to be involved in setting the people free from Egypt. Think about that. All based on him showing up and saying, here am I, God, okay? And now when Moses says to God, here am I, God says, here's your mission. Here's your mission, you're going to go and you're going to set my people free. And Moses had a lot of questions about that. And you know, when God calls you and I to do something, we probably have a lot of questions. And we're thinking, Lord, you know, shouldn't you have chose this person over here? Well, shouldn't you have chose that person over here for that? Again, it's not your ability that he's looking for. He's looking for your, help me out, availability. And he's looking for you to say, here am I. You know, God can take care of the miracles. God can take care of whatever he needs to take care of. He just wants you to be under his control. Come on, somebody. And allow the Holy Spirit to work through you to get the job done. So when Moses, and so when Moses says to God, here am I, God says, here's your mission. You're going to set my people free. Moses had a lot of questions. And he has a lot of reasons why that won't work. And you know what, to some of them I'll have to say, you know, I, I understand where Moses is coming from. Because many times when God tells me to do something, I'm thinking, well, Lord, did you not see that? I mean, I see that. Don't you see that, Lord? I mean, we see things. We got eyes. But how many of you know we need to have spiritual eyes? We have ears, but we need to have spiritual ears to see how God is, and from God's perspective, and what God is saying about all of this, Okay. You're going to have a lot of reasons why it won't work, okay? It doesn't fit in your life. It's bigger than your life. And you'll have a lot of questions. In fact, here's the main questions Moses asked God. You're going to have the conversation with God, and it starts to show you your life's mission. Here it goes. You're going to ask questions like, well, who am I? Who am I to do this? And who are you, God? Do you have the power to do this in my life? Are you willing to do these things in my life? Uh, you're going to be asking questions like, well, what about them? <laughs> How many of you know when God calls you to do something, you're always like, well, what about them? Did you call them to do anything? You know, how many of you know what I'm, where I'm coming from? We're always looking at somebody else saying, you know, Lord, well, you called me, what did you call me? How many of you know some people are just not answering the call? Come on, somebody. Maybe they haven't answered the call, and you have answered the call. You know, what will other people think about this? What's my family going to say? What's my friends going to say? Or are they going to ask the questions, how about this? Now, how about this weakness that I have? You know, and, and you know, what Moses, I believe when Moses, I don't believe Moses stuttered. Some people think he stuttered, but I think it was. He, he, you know, he had been 40 years out, out of way from uh, uh, Egypt and he you know parliamentary speaking and things like that before Pharaoh and all that you know he, that he had lost that a long time ago and he lost the ins and outs how many of you know he, even today you know it just takes a little bit of time you can lose some of the things that, that are going on in, in the escalons of the world today and the and the uh, uh, you know how people talk and you know I, I think the the word now is how you roll come on somebody 
Uh, he rose like this, or he rose like that, or, you know, just things that, you know, I mean, he lost all that. You know, I don't know, I don't know, that. You know, I, I can't do that anymore. I used to be a part of that. I had, I had to work on my parliamentary uh, ways, uh, you know, being in the palace, uh, you know, um, um, around the king. I, I can't do that. God says, that's the reason I want you to go. Because you can't, but I can. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. The weaknesses that we have, the handicaps that we have. You know, you can say, well, you know, I'm just not, I'm just not educated enough. Well, God says, that's good. Hallelujah. I can use you. Again, folks, if he can use a, a donkey in the Old Testament, come on, somebody. If he can use a rooster, he can use you. And Moses and God, they had this conversation about it. And because of that conversation, Moses is used by God to set the people free. My question is, what if Moses had walked away from the burning bush? You know, he had that choice. How many of you know he had the choice? He could have walked away and said, hey, I'm not, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to do anything some bush tells me to do. <laughs> Somebody says, well, where did you get your call from a burning bush? You mean you got your call from a burning bush from a burning bush? How many of you know? Sometimes when God does things, it's kind of like, you know, just to tell somebody else what God has told you, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should tell them or not. They ain't going to understand that. They, 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 won't, they won't know where I'm coming from. Are you getting my drift this morning? Are you feeling me? He would have missed seeing all the power of God that worked, you know, that God wanted to work through his life. He would have missed the, the Nile River, the blood coming out of the Nile River. He would have missed seeing the Red Sea split in two. Come on, somebody. Think about all the things, all those uh, uh, nine plagues that come upon Egypt and all the miracles of, you, you know, speaking to a rock. He just goes up to a rock. And they're all thirsty, and they, they're about to die of thirst, and they, they need water. And, and God said, go speak to the rock. Just speak to the rock, and water will come. How many of you know that's a challenge within itself? You mean I'm going to go talk to this rock and the rock's going to give me water? How many of you know water doesn't come out of a rock? That don't even make sense. Water out of a rock? Can you imagine Moses doing that? I think he went up and went. He probably went about four or five times before he actually said anything. He's just feeling this thing out. But he would have missed all of that. Water from the rock, manna from heaven, seeing all the miracles, the Ten Commandments that God gave him. Tough question. What miracles might you be missing because I'm not where I need to be with God? I'm not saying, here am I, God. You're probably be missing a lot of miracles because you're not saying, here am I, God, send me. Hear my God, I want, I, I want to be involved in, in whatever you're doing today. Because where I want to be, when I want to be in control, or where I want to be in control, that's where I've got to, to where it's all handled. But when letting God be in control, you know, there's something about that is just letting go and letting God and stepping out in the unknown and maybe doing something you thought you could never do. You know, you know what? With God's help, all things are possible. He can empower you. So when I say to God, here am I. Number four, write this in your notes. I hear a message I never thought I would hear. We learned this from Samuel. 
See, Samuel was just a young boy, and he goes and he's mentored by this older prophet by the name of Eli. Everybody say Eli. Those living in the same house, both living in the same house. And one night, something happens, and they hear something. 1 Samuel 3, 4 in your notes. Then the Lord calls Samuel, and Samuel answered, here am I. So Samuel hears something, and actually, he first thinks his mentor Eli is saying something, you know, in the next room over there. And he goes over, and it's kind of humorous. This is a humorous scene. This is what happens when he hears God speaking to him. He says, here am I. And he turns to Eli, and he says, Eli, what do you want? You know, Eli said, what what do you want? What 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 are you doing in here? Eli is an old man by now. He can't hardly see. And he, and he wants to get some sleep. And he says, Samuel, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. How many of you know when you're really asleep, you don't want to be woke, awakened? You don't want to be woke up. Go back to bed. So he goes back, and he hears the voice again. He runs back to Eli, and he says, what do you want, Eli? <laughs> Eli's saying, stop bothering me and go back to bed. I didn't speak to you. He goes back to bed, and he hears God speak the third time, and he runs to Eli. Eli. And finally, Eli is a prophet, but he's one that had drifted away from God, and he finally realized, oh, that's God. Sometimes I think that happens to us when we get cold in our walk with God, and God's trying to speak to us. And, and, And we realize, whoa, God's trying to speak. God's trying to speak. What do you want? Eli says, stop bothering me. But then he realized it's God. If God's speaking to you, go back and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And I will say to you today, that's one of the things that you and I can say. We can just stop and pause and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Now, you say, Pastor, have you ever heard an audible voice? No, I have not. But I've heard the voice of God in many different ways. And I know that I know in my knower that God was about to do something. And God wanted my attention. And God is speaking to me about something. And he can speak the same way to you. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. Come on, somebody. And God can speak to you. Now, some people, I've heard them say, God said this and that. And I thought, no, you just had too much pizza on a Saturday night. Come on, somebody. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't say something like that. Well, I should because what they're saying didn't match up to the Word of God. So it's probably pizza. Come on, somebody. For Samuel, that message was you need to outgrow your mentor. Wow. I'm calling you to an even higher place than where Eli is. And he probably had to think about that. Wow. What? What what is that? You need to have a higher standard than all the people that are around you, Samuel. For you and I, that message might be, it could be a lot different things, but it might be about this whole thing about a life mission, a special call, special calling. And sometimes if we'll just hear the call and answer the call, we would be right where God wants us to be. Why? Because I like to have a life mission, but honestly... It, it may, you know, it may be that it's going to mess up my life's plans and things that I wanted to do. 
Are you feeling me this morning? So there's some things that God might want to do in your life that maybe you don't want to do, but God wants you to do that. So you have to be open to that. But I hope you know that God has something to do in your life. Now, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. Number five. I go to a place I never thought I would go. We learned this from Isaiah. And, and, and this is the most famous of the Hiramites, you know, and we're looking at all of them today. Isaiah is worshiping in the temple. Think about this. And he has this vision. God's glory. Think about it. And actually, he sees the Lord seated on his throne, and he senses, you know, and he sees the, uh, the robe of God and God's glory had filled the temple. He sees the angels flying around throughout the temple, and he hears the angels saying to him, holy, holy, holy. Think about that. And in the midst of all this, this incredible, glorious revelation, he hears, then I heard, look at Isaiah 6, 8, the Lord's voice saying, whom can I sin who will go for us and so I said here am I send me you see God called him in the midst of that and Isaiah had the courage to answer the call come on somebody you know he had the courage and and when God says whom shall I send he's not saying oh well let me think about it you know or let, let, let me get a name in mind let me think of somebody you might say no he said here am I send me there's a mission out there, send me. I want to be involved in that. We get like the uh, elevation mode, like, oh, that sounds like a good question that you could send somebody. No, maybe God's speaking to you about sending you. You need to hear the call and listen to what God is saying. What God wants to hear, hear my send me. I'll go. I'm ready to go. And that great commission that God has already given us, go into all the world, preach the gospel, you know what, you, you know, it doesn't mean that you, you have to be behind a pulpit somewhere, but each and every one of us have a commission to carry the gospel message and to witness to someone that's around you and to tell them about Jesus. You know, one day we're going to go to heaven and, and we're going to look around and say, oh, there's a person I witnessed to at McDonald's. Come on, somebody. There's a person I witnessed to at Kroger. There's a person I witnessed to and I was on the street or whatever. And they, they heard the, the seed. They heard the message. They heard the call. They accepted it. And they accepted Jesus. How many of you know that's going to be a great time? Number six. I trust a promise I never thought I would trust. We learn it from Mary. Mary, unlike the other seven, did not use the exact words, here am I. It says something like that, and we're going to include that today. But even though she didn't say the exact words, I just had to have the heart to have Mary in this because she's a part of this. Mary teaches us something about trusting a promise. Everybody say trusting a promise that we never thought we could trust. Now, you have to look at this, you know, really, look, look at the scriptures at Luke 135 through 38. The angel answered Mary and the angel having a conversation, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, here am I. If that's what you're calling me to do, I want to be a part of that. So the promise that Mary was trusting was the promise of a virgin birth. Now, folks, think about that. 
You know, God coming to you said you're going to, you know, and, and this is, you know, we're looking, we're looking back at something that had happened in the past. And, and for us, it's, it's tough to believe. How many of you know it's going to be a lot harder for her to believe that she's going to be the one that's going to have a virgin birth, bring God's son into the world through a virgin birth? How many of you know that's trusting a promise that you thought you could never trust? That's doing that. And that's exactly what Mary did. And God's promise was about a birth, about two things that don't go together, virgin and birth. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they don't go together. Virgin and birth, they don't go together. The only way those two things can fit together is nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And the same with, 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 with what God may ask you to do. Just like, that don't even go together. That doesn't even fit together. Well, nothing is impossible with God. And you've got to believe that. Somebody say Amen. I've had words spoken to me, and, and, and my first thoughts were, well, that's not going to work in the natural. How in the world is that going to work? How's that going to fit? You know, you know, how's that going, you know, how could God make that work? And he, how, you know how he can make that work? Nothing is impossible with God. See, when the supernatural comes in, how many of you know the natural must move aside? And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly, like Mary, we trust a promise that we never thought we could, we could trust. Do you need to see God work through the impossible in your life? If you're willing, like Mary, to say those words that Mary said, you know, here am I, but it's, you know, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm, I'm willing to do that. And it will happen. Number seven, I serve a person I never thought I could serve. We learned this from Ananias. Ananias is in the early church, and God's doing a lot of miracles and giving messages to a lot of different people, telling people where to go and things to do, and people are healed and, and, and go, and people are baptized and all kinds of things. They're new lives, you know, they have new life, and, and God's got a message for Ananias, and at first, it's not the one he wanted to hear, <laughs> And just like sometimes when God says something to us, it's not what we wanted to hear. Come on, somebody. Look at Acts 9, 10. There was a, faint, there was a follower of Jesus in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision. Ananias answered, here am I. And the Lord said to him, go up and go to Straight Street and find the house of Judah, and asked for a man by the name of Saul from the city of Tarsus. And the first thing Ananias was Saul. I've heard that name. I've heard that guy. I heard he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. He's a real bad dude. Ananias didn't know the end of the story that Saul was going to become Paul and he was going to be the leader of the early church and there's going to be a lot of things that God was going to use him for. He knew Saul's reputation as going killing people. Come on, somebody. Capturing people, killing people, and, and, and persecuting the church with a mighty force. That's what he'd heard. And talk about going to a person you never thought you could serve. It had, you know, it, it, you know it, what a job to, to be asked to do. That's exactly who God asked Ananias to, to go to, the last person he thought he would ever be willing to help. 
is that person. I don't believe God's asking you to go back into an unsafe situation. I want you to say that right up front. But remember this. It took an audible voice to get Ananias to go and talk to Saul. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's like, oh, what? No, no, I'm not going to do that. I, I, mean, he, I mean, he probably had all kinds of things going on in his mind. But I do believe that there are people that you and I need to forgive that maybe we haven't forgiven. And we need to go to them and say, you know what? I forgive you. Now, if that person doesn't know that you, you know anything about that, then probably you don't. But if there's something between you and someone else today, you know what? The, 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 big, the biggest thing that you could do is send them a text, give them a call, or meet them, or whatever, whatever you feel like you need to do. But just say, you know what? You know, ask for forgiveness or, or, or forgive them. Come on, somebody. And if you can do that, you're going to be a greater person. Somebody say amen. There's a lot of people in our lives that we think I could never forgive them. I could never pray for them. I could never have a relationship of whatever with them again. But you know what? That's exactly what God came to do to turn those things upside down in our lives. That we could be the people that God's called us to be. Somebody say amen. Number eight. Let's jump down. I'm going to skip over some stuff here. But number eight. I find a joy I never thought I would find. And we learned this from Jesus. Now, all the others, it was God saying, it was, you know, saying to God, here am I. And then this last one, Jesus is saying to us, God is saying to us, here am I. And he says it in Revelations 3.20. Look at it. Jesus says the word. Jesus says, Revelations 3.20, here am I. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door. I will come in and I will eat with you and you can eat with me. How many of you know that's relationship? And what God is saying is, you know what? I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what kind of life you've had before. I don't care who you are. I stand at the door and I knock. Here am I. Oh, my. And all you have to do is open the door and come in. Come on, somebody. And that's what God is calling us today. You know, it doesn't matter. You might say, well, I just feel I'm just so unworthy. I just feel like, you know what? And we probably all feel that way. But let me tell you something. Jesus has standing at the door, and he says, here am I. Come on, somebody. Here am I to have a relationship with you. We're going to have a relationship. We're going to talk things over. We're going to have life together. We're going to eat together. We're going to fellowship together. You know, I believe the greatest here am I in the Bible is right here. Where Jesus said, here am I. In other words, he wants to serve us. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, I, I come not to be served, but I come to serve you. Remember when he was washing the feet of Peter? And Peter said, I have none of that. I will not allow you to wash my feet. And then the Lord says, well, if I can't wash your feet, then I'll, you'll have no part of me. He said, well, just wash me all over then. Feet's all that were needed, right, Peter? How many of you know Peter had a way of putting his foot in his mouth all the time? <laughs> I believe there's a lot of us going to do the vow of that. Mm. Find a joy that you never thought you'd find. We find it in Jesus.
Oh, hallelujah. How many of you would say this morning that Jesus has changed your life? And he's put something in you like never before. You know what? You wouldn't have liked me before Jesus came into my life. And I probably wouldn't have liked you. How many of you know would be honest and say that? I mean, he's put me among people that I thought that I never enjoy being around. I remember the night I got saved. It's like, hallelujah. You know, that guy in my dad's church, I couldn't stand this old guy. You know, it's like when he got saved, it's like, hallelujah, how you doing? Are you feeling me this morning? I mean, God just changed. He puts a joy. A joy down in your heart that nobody can take away. The world can't do it. Your, your spouse can't do it. Nobody can do it but Jesus can put a joy down in your heart. And this morning, he's knocking on the door, and he's wanting a relationship with you. He wants to work with you. He's calling on us today. Somebody say amen. If anyone hears and opens the door, Jesus says, I'll come in. So if you're not sure, you open, you're, you're, you've got to open the door of your life to him. You can do it right now through prayer. Somebody say amen. I mean, it, it's so easy. You know, it's so easy that many of us miss it. It's so easy that it's like, this is what you have to do. You know, there's, there's people that, I, I have a friend of mine, he's sat through so many church services or whatever, and, it, and he feels like he has to go do something, repentance, and do all these things. How many of you know that's not God's way? That's your way. That's the way you'd want to do it. All right, go shovel 10, 10 tons of coal, and then come back to me. No, he doesn't tell you to do anything like that. Yeah, go, go work for two years, and then come back to me. No. Jesus said, here am I. I stand the door and knock. If you'll come in, I'll change your life. How many of your lives have been changed by Jesus and that joy? Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap, would you? I'm going to have the worship team to come back.